everyone and welcome to season two of Nerding in the Deep. I'm Valerie. And I'm Carlos. And we're late and we're sorry. We are just one month late. Not, not the whole month. So for those of you who followed us in season one, we did promise spooky month mm-hmm. for season two. But you'll also know that we took the summer off because we had quite a lot going on. So we're going to give you just a couple of life updates. You know, we bought a house. We said that at the middle of season one. So we finally have moved. We are. This is the first episode we are recording from our new house. Yeah, our new nerdy office. Yeah, we hope that the acoustic is good. You know, we'll have to improve if it's not. But we have been doing some testing and we thought that it was at least acceptable. Acceptable is probably the right word. Mm-hmm. So that was a little bit delayed. So mm-hmm. things were pushed back. But it's still great news. We're finally here. Yes, we did. We, we went on our honeymoon. Yes, we went to weeks. Late. Yeah, we went to weeks <laughs> out and well, we really, really, really enjoyed. If you ever have any request or you want some suggestions about Italy, well, we it can. is up on our Twitter yeah. at Nerding Deep. Yeah. <laughs> Plug right in there. Yes. And on a personal note, I finally finished my psychotherapy master. Finally, that dragged more than one piece, I think. <laughs> I did. I got my thesis done. I am officially a professional psychotherapist. Yes, yes, finally, finally. So I can say things like, in my professional opinion. Yeah, now, now, <laughs> see, now we have a professional psychotherapist in our, before it was a trainee, now it's a professional one. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we did manage to catch you just at the end mm-hmm. of, of Spooky Month. Yes. So we are coming with a spooky episode. We are coming with a spooky episode, yeah. So we decided we really wanted to get back into movies. For those of you who have been following us from the very beginning, our very first episode was about the Thor movies. It was. So we decided our first episode of season two was going to be movie related. Of course. And it's a cycle. Because it's Halloween, we mm-hmm. had to do scary movies. Scary movies. Um, so we're going to look at two directors that are kind of i think the best representation of this new genre of horror films we've been seeing mm-hmm. seeing over the last few years those uh, directors are ari aster and robert eggers yep i love those two directors to be honest i think that it's a good representation of the new horror uh, style mm-hmm. like in the past you had more slashers more killings more gore more more teenagers going to a place they shouldn't be and being killed in a very gory manner uh, exactly and it's not that you don't have that nowadays like for example yeah. last year terrifier 2 did great on you know on the cinemas and mm-hmm. there are a lot of movies like that there have been also the typical jump skirts movies yeah. but these two are more kind of like surrounded by the, a lot of symbolism, mm-hmm. psychological horror, oppressive isolation. Yeah, I think psychological horror is a good way to describe it. And I think it's kind of reflected of the people who are watching horror movies mm-hmm. these days. There's been a huge burst of a want for information about the mind. Mental health is much mm-hmm. more spoken about. And I think talking about the things we struggle with, like you said, isolation, guilt, anger, these are all things that are hot topics yes. for the last few years. And I think these two directors are kind of reflecting that. I, I agree 100%. Another thing that I want to say before we start talking about them, if you really want to get into into those two directors, don't expect a straightforward movies. Yeah. They, they are movies with a lot of symbolism, with as I said, with a lot of what is happening. And I In think... Dark Souls, the film plots aren't fed to you you have to kind of look for them now you have robert eggers who is his plots are a little bit more straightforward Mm -hmm. but ari aster definitely you have to 
reflect and really think about what the movie was trying to say, especially with one of the films we're going to be talking about, which is Bull Was Afraid. Don't go into that movie thinking there's a plot. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> you probably... You won't like it. <laughs> I, do, I do have love, someone who have told me that, but I think that these it are these kind of movies that after watching it, a reflection, and maybe a second try, mm. they shine a lot because you realize about a lot of things that... A lot of the messages, I think, the, the writers and directors mm -hmm. are going to get. Mm -hmm. so, so that's very important. Don't go to these movies thinking that you're going to have a spoon-fed plot and you are going to have something very straightforward. There's more, a lot of symbolism, a lot of... They are playing a lot, both of them, with things that you never know if what is happening is really happening or it's kind of like a product of the paranoia, the hysteria of the of the main characters, of some kind of drugs that they have taken maybe in some point. Or... Yeah, especially with Ari Aster, I yeah. think, but also with Robert Eggers. Yeah. So, so with that... Yeah, we'll start getting into which which film would you like to discuss first? So it is a little bit of chaotic, so I, because, you know, we are talking about uh, in total six movies of mm. two authors. So I think that the best thing that we could do is probably divided by authors. Yeah. And then at the end, do kind of like a general opinion and also kind of like a small ranking of which are your favorite and which are my favorite in those six. So we could start with the eldest movie. Okay. Which is Robert Eggers with The Witch. Yeah, The Witch was released in 2015. And uh -huh. you'll see her in a lot of Robert Eggers films. Anya Taylor-Joy is in it. Yeah, Robert Eggers shows um, Anya Taylor-Joy and Willem Dafoe everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, and you might remember her as playing Aunt Liza in Game of Thrones. Kate Dickey is also in a lot of yeah, films. Yeah, she is also in a lot of... I think she's in all, all three of the ones we're talking about. At least in The Northman and The Witch. In The Lighthouse, no, because there are no women. Oh, you're right. Then that's yeah. something we'll get into, too. Yeah. So, The Witch. The Witch is not actually called The Witch. The Witch is called The Witch with the subtitle A New England Folktale. And that subtitle, I think, that is already very important. A lot of people call it The Witch and that's it, but... What we have to understand is that Robert Eggers is going to tell us a folktale. Yeah. Although I think, and by the way, spoilers everywhere for all these six movies. Yeah, so the six movies we'll be discussing are The Witch, The Lighthouse, The Northman, Hereditary, Midsummer, and Bo is Afraid. Exactly. As far as I think that The Witch in The Witch, of course, is very real and all that, you have to think that this is how folk tales uh, were born. You have to think that they are in the middle of the wilderness in New England, is a family, disgraces happen. What the people from other towns that find that disgrace, no? that a kid has been lost, a kid has disappeared, a kid has died. Something's been stolen yeah. or something doesn't feel right. Which did it? Which did it? The witch, yeah. The witches, the fairies, you know. So yeah. it's everything how folk tales work. Oh, something that's really interesting that they tell you in the film is a lot of the dialogue actually comes from literature of that period. Yes, it comes from literature from that period. So it's kind of like based on real stuff, but of course with that touch of fantasy that mm. Robert Eggers brings. But it's with a lot of historical context. Yeah, I think it's one of the most kind of more stereotypical of all of the films, you know, a witch, pilgrims, mm -hmm. all that, that typical plot line. It is very typical, but I, I really love the symbolism. Mm -hmm. I, I love, of course, the acting. I think the acting of this on the six movies is great. Mm -hmm. Here, Anya Taylor-Joy is it's great, but also the rest of the cast, the kids. Um, I think Kate Dickey is Kate particularly Dickey, good. Kate Dickey is particularly good. And she has this amazing ability to pull off like crazy older female really well. Yes, yes. 
And this one is kind of like, I feel that is one of the movies that is more straightforward. Yeah. Robert Eggers doesn't play with plots as much as Ari Aster. Of course, there are moments that you will be thinking like, I don't know if this is really happening or this is part of the, as I was saying, the imagination or everything is evolving. So you don't know, for example, if, if in some parts the witch is there, it's not there, if it, what is happening is... Part of the imagination, fear, paranoia. Yeah, if you search in the internet after you have watched the movie on the explanation on the movie, there's a lot of people that really think that the witch doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. That is all part of the paranoia, the hysteria, the, the isolation. Even some of them say product of intoxication of what they are eating because there's a moment that the core, they show you that the core is getting rotten. So if they are eating that, it can provoke hallucinations and all that stuff. So you always have that. Is, did, did this happen really? Or it was it was really a product of, the, of a witch or not? Yeah. Personally, I think that the witch in this movie is very real. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> I think that all, all of the directors are very good at playing with the theme of power. Mm -hmm. And that's what a lot of witch-type movies are usually about. It's about female empowerment. And that definitely with the ending of this film, you see Anya Taylor-Joy's character come into power and make her own choices and become independent. But one of the things I really love that they play with in this film is that stubborn pride. Yes. Kind of, you know, you have the seven de deadly sins and mm -hmm. I think pride is definitely the one that lands up causing the most of the issues. Yes. The very start of the film, it's all about the father's pride. Yeah, he's being attacked by because of that, I think, part of it. Yeah, it forces them into isolation. It starts the process of them eventually going into starvation. It's mm -hmm. all because of pride and, and not admitting fault. And he admits it mm -hmm. towards the end when things start to go wrong. He admits that he's committed the sin of pride. Some of, some of them are clearly representations of some scenes because you also have uh, Caleb, for example, the son mm -hmm. that uh, lust. Yeah, he has some lust. <laughs> Looking but... at his sister in some questionable ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But still, I find that it really plays really well with symbolism. Mm -hmm. How that relationship works. How the eldest daughter has to work towards the family also, apart from, you know, the mother and how the mother blames mm. her. Um, and it's going back to one of the really big themes in a lot of these movies is the Oedipal Complex. Yes, and you're going to talk about that a lot, a lot. I think. Yeah. <laughs> and you see it here. So for those of you that don't know, the Oedipal Complex comes from the Greek myth of Oedipus, who married his mother and killed his father. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a theory that's very much given to us from Freud, where we have that desire to kill our same-sex parent and have a relationship with our opposite-sex parent. So it goes for male and female, though you hear it mostly with males. And you see that in a lot of these films. Now, just because the myth is very much kill same-sex, marry opposite-sex, that doesn't really reflect on how in today's mind it's viewed. It's more mm -hmm. like you have to take over from your same-sex parent and you try to impress the opposite-sex parent. I see it all the time with client work and you see it here, like the mother's almost threatened by her daughter taking her place. That's very beautiful, complex type stuff. And you'll see it, I'll talk about it, how it presents in other films, but that's kind of how it's represented here. Yeah, I I agree. It's very present in, in the rest of the movie. I think that 
that's the witch we have to talk about six movies yeah, so we better speed along we we're trying to not give too much spoilers because we want you to go and enjoy these films. exactly exactly so we are of course this is gonna have a spoiler but we are gonna try to um reduce the amount just if you haven't seen the movies so you have it uh for yourself so the next movie of Robert Eggers is The Lighthouse. Mm -hmm. I think it was your least favorite. We'll talk about that in the ranking anyway. But The Lighthouse is a movie that it's all, it, it, it's already pretty interesting. There are no women in the cast. There is a reason about, well, there, is, there are. There is. There, there is. There is technically, but the main two characters are two men, Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. And they're the main two you see throughout the whole film. Exactly. Which is, I think, what makes their acting so impressive because it's a very small setting with mm -hmm. mainly just two actors and they, they play it very well. Yeah, the movie, well, they are two workers in a lighthouse. They, they work in a lighthouse isolated in an island where the sea is very, the, the, you know, the element of the sea is very predominant. The storms are very predominant. We could say that it's kind of like a more Lovecraftian horror, this movie, although, as you said, sometimes the Lovecraftian it just set back for other kind of... Yeah, for me, then this is one of the reasons that The Lighthouse for me is probably my least favorite, though I still really enjoy it, is that they, I feel like they didn't need the Lovecraftian element. I felt like just the the kind of madness that comes from isolation was enough. I don't think we needed... Um, kind of an external kind of um, mystical kind of thing to come in to make it scary. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, the movie, Robert Eggers plays very, I think, very, very smart. He's very intelligent here. So he already puts you in a very oppressive atmosphere because, you know, there are only two characters already. The reducing all the cast, it, it makes you spend, I don't know if the movie was one hour and a half, two hours, it makes you spend practically the whole movie with only two people. It's very, it feels very intimate. Yeah, very intimate, very reduced settings, as you say, very reduced spaces, like in the cabin, in the part of the lighthouse or when they are working. One thing that we haven't mentioned, the whole movie is in black and white. Which is, I, I kind of loved it. I don't particularly love black and white films, mm -hmm. but I find putting a black and white film in the modern era i found it really interesting i find like some of the shots that they they do with the film is very reminiscent of yes. those old black and white films like there's a couple of times with both robert pattinson and Willem defoe where they kind of have that really close in shot where their eyes look a little crazy yes. that you that reminds me of like the the older black and white the, the black and white helps a yeah. lot to create that and also uh helps a lot with the oppressive atmosphere mm -hmm. there are no colors yeah. it's all black and white it's more oppressive, the shadows are stronger, the light is weaker, you know, and they play a lot, for example, with the shade of the fire. I think it's a very, very interesting movie. The plot is kind of like also simple. Uh, maybe it reminds you a little bit on uh, this episode of The Simpsons where Homer and Mr. Barnes get uh, inside a cabin uh, because of the snow and they get trapped. It, it's that, but with extra steps, probably. Um, but it's a movie where the paranoia is increased when sometimes there are things that you don't know if they are real or they are just part of the paranoia of the characters. Of course, there is a lot of alcoholism included. So again, yeah, there's also a lot of like male sexuality yes. in there as well, which is interesting and very similarly to the witch. But I think in a more extreme way, they're playing with the very strong theme of isolation and what it can do to you. Yes, yes. Most of these movies have that theme of isolation, but this one is particularly strong. Mm -hmm. Here, the deep complex here. 
I think that you thought that here was also very strong. Very strong. So if you were to want to look at two of these two directors' movies to pair together in terms of a readable complex, I would pair The Lighthouse with Bo is Afraid. The Lighthouse being more of the representation of the male side of the readable complex, so that relationship between father and son, even though I mean, as far as we know, they are not they're, they're not related. There's definitely like a, a father-son type of relationship. Willem Dafoe char- Dafoe's character is obviously older than Robert mm-hmm. Pattinson's character. There's like, you can see Robert Pattinson's character want his approval, um, want his recognition his, to impress him and getting very, very frustrated when that's not happening. Mm-hmm. There's a moment where Robert Pattinson's character feels very betrayed by Willem Dafoe's character and you see the rage that comes out and that kind of causes a lot of the violence. When they get drunk together, you see kind of a love develop there, but it is only there when they're drunk. So that kind of want for approval, but then also to be better. So one of the things that uh, the main plot, I suppose, is the want for Robert Pattinson's character to be in the lighthouse light part, but Willem Dafoe is very much like, no, that's for me, only I get to do that. So it's kind of that, that Oedipal want to overtake, you know, to take that place. You know, he's the one that's fitter, stronger, smarter, because he's come of age now. That's something that's very Oedipal complex, and that's something he strives towards the entire <laughs> film. Yeah, I agree. And one, one of the things of or one of the themes of this movie. I don't know if you remember, if you don't remember, just take a look again in one of our episodes where we were talking about villains. Mm. And we were saying that sometimes villains are not people themselves, are more kind of like the environment. Mm. I think that here, with a strong theme of isolation, there are a lot of uh, characters that are not human. One of, the, one of them being the sea, one of them being the storm. And one of them, you just have mentioned it, is the lighthouse. The yeah. lighthouse is a very, very strong character Yeah, yeah that symbolizes power. I think that kind of like also symbolizes because of that one thing of Robert Pattinson on having it is kind of like the myth of Prometheus, of trying to steal the fire, yeah. trying to be, if I get this, if I steal the fire, I will be as powerful as yeah. the gods in this case. The god being the lighthouse light or even Willem Dafoe, you know, yeah. it's, it's represented by that. Lovecraftian horror, kind of like those goats with tentacles and yeah. all that stuff. So it's kind of like that part of yeah. also the Prometheus myth that mixing with the Oedipal yeah. myth. And I think there's almost an aspect as well, just because um, of one scene at the end, the lighthouse light almost opens, like almost in a, a, a vaginal mm-hmm. way. So it kind of makes me think of almost the representation then again, bringing it back to the Oedipal complex of the mother. Yes. So womanhood, sexuality, again, it's almost like he's taking mother from father. Mm-hmm. And that's just what the Oedipal complex yeah. is. Yeah, very well put that. Uh, well, let's go for the next one. Yeah. Last one for Robert Eggers. Probably the one that is less horror is more kind of like an adventure yeah. thing it's basically hamlet but also as far as i well everyone that has studied a little bit uh, of shakespeare and hamlet we all know that hamlet is not original 100 from shakespeare is more based on a danish story and this movie takes part of that hamlet plus the danish story because it's kind of like even older no mm. so that's the northman that was the last movie of robert eggers in 
2022. Robert Eggers is preparing now a new movie that we all will also mention at the end, but um, we now we based on the Northman. Again, another movie with Anya Taylor Joy. She comes back when you know women are uh, represented again in the movie. Kate Dickey also comes back. Nicole Kidman is especially good in this yes, movie. Yes, I really like her. Well. And we have Willem Dafoe and Alexander Skarsgård. So Alexander Skarsgård for you is the one that appears in True Blood. Is not Pennywise. That's Bill Skarsgård. Yeah. So Eric in True Blood. Exactly. So the Northman. I really like the Northman. Like this is a Halloween episode, so there was part of me that was like, this isn't really scary, so should we include it? But it just, I felt like we were leaving something out without mm -hmm. including it. For me, I think one of the things that it really represents well is that really primal rage especially mm -hmm. like that physical rage that that we tend to associate with men yes we see that a lot in the main character uh we see female rage as well but it's more subtle in Anna taylor joy's character which yes. definitely the main focus is on male rage yeah the male rage the desire of vengeance is very strong Red, well, revenge. I, yeah revenge we talked about hamlet hamlet is mm. revenge 100 percent, and the character of here uh amlet i think it's called so amlet yeah so you know amlet hamlet i mean they're not making it subtle i know robert wasn't subtle there too and he but yeah it's filled with rage desire of vengeance mm. uh and i think that although there's no there there are no scary moments i think that there are a lot of very violent yeah very violent moments, moments yeah and not I wouldn't say it's gore. I, there are a couple of moments that you could yeah. say, okay. But it's not gore for the sake of gore, which we saw a lot in like 90s, early 2000s yes. horror movies. A lot of symbolism. Mm -hmm. A lot of uh, the Oedipal complex with uh, the... The mother. The mother and the son. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you see it a bit with with like in fatherly roles because the this is a spoiler, but figure out in the mm -hmm. first few minutes. So the main character's father is killed by his brother. And it's the desire for revenge to kill the brother, which I think is almost another symbol of taking over the father. Yeah. Well, because you have to think they're fighting over what was a kingdom. A kingdom. As well. So it's like that desire to be king. You have to overthrow a king to become king. So yeah. it, again, that beautiful complex coming in there. Mm -hmm. I, I think so. I think that we don't have much to say about this movie. Not because the movie is bad. I love the movie. It's really good. And uh, I think if you're not... If you don't really like horror films that much, but you're curious about Robert Eggers as a director, I think you could stomach The Northman. Yeah, The Northman is like, if you like movies or series like Vikings or things mm -hmm. like that, I think that you are going to love The Northman. The Northman is also really good. He has really, really good uh, acting for all of them. Uh, I mentioned Nicole Kidman because I, I feel that she is especially good here. Yeah. Um, but I, I also like that they focus a lot on that kind of theme of fate being a, a trap. You yes. know, you're trapped in your own fate, trying so hard to fight against it, but it always comes That's back. for the most horrific stuff. It's yeah. like, you know, we decide what we do or it's all written Black and, it, and yeah. it makes no sense what we are doing. That's if you want to, you know, read between lines. But I also love the choreography of the fights and how beautiful, fight how, how beautiful, beautiful yeah, are the, some shots. Uh, it's most of it done in the uh, wilderness of Iceland. So Iceland is a very, very beautiful country with a lot of contrast in their nature. The fire of the, you know, volcanoes and the ice from, well, yeah. 
and the neckling of the prairies. Mm -hmm. So it is very, very beautiful and 100% recommended. Even if you don't like horror, I think that the Northman is a must. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you have to see. So with this, we finished the movie of Robert Eggers. As I said before, in 2024, we are expecting a Nosferatu movie. So Vampire, Dracula. I think it's kind of going to be a rework of the original Nosferatu because yeah. Robert Eggers already said that this is one of his favorite movies of all time and one of the movies that pushed him to be kind of like a horror director. As always, we'll have already confirmed Willem Dafoe. In, yeah. That, by the way, Willem Dafoe is also in the Northman. So I think that he's the one that appears in more movies of Robert Eggers. But I'm looking forward for, for it. Is he in the Northman? He is in the... He's one of the tribe chiefs uh, that does all the... Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> because he goes with a lot of makeup and the yeah. beard, but I think that he's the one that... Well, I don't want to spoil that. When they go... For the, the, for the ritual. Oh, for the ritual. For the oh. ritual. The, the old man that is in the ritual, I think that that's William Duff. He is definitely in the movie. Anyway, we go for Arya Stair now. Arya Stair has three movies, then has some shorts, of course, but the movies that we are going to talk about as you mentioned before, are Hereditary, Midsommar, and Bo is Afraid. Starting with Hereditary, that is the 2018 one. Yeah, and I remember this movie coming out. I didn't see it on release, but I remember a lot of people saying it was one of the best horror films they'd seen in a long time. And I think that kind of 2018 period is kind of representative of when mental health really started mm -hmm. to explode as a topic when we wanted more than just killing, chasing, all that kind of things that we kind of we see in yeah. horror films. We wanted something deeper, something we could think about. And I think that's why people started to latch on to Hereditary. Yeah, for me, uh, I watched it for part of this episode that we wanted to watch the movies of Ari Aster. We had to watch first Midsommar. Mm -hmm. And I think that for me was less impact because of that. Because yeah. uh, I, I think we should have watched Shirt Drink first. Uh, yeah, but still, it's it's a good movie. Pretty. I think that this one is pro probably the most straightforward one that it has with some yeah with some elements that of course you never know if they as I I said before if they are happening or they are not happening because yeah. it can be imagination of, of the daughter the the son has weird dreams but at the same time. He likes to smoke weed a lot, so yeah. we never know if what is happening is really, really there. Yeah. There are, I remember one special moment, I won't spoil, happens with a, a fireplace, won't say anything else. But I remember that special moment that is like, holy, what, what's happening? And I remember telling Valerie, did that really no, no, no. <laughs> did, did I, no, no, that's part of the imagination. Now it will, I know it happens, you know, and yeah. I was like, um, okay, so I, I don't know what to, so it's those moments that you never know if the supernatural stuff is there or yeah. it's just part of their craziness. And that's what I particularly like about Ari Aster in his films is, you know me, you've watched series movies with me. Um, I have this really annoying habit of being able to predict everything that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, which not it's not just annoying. We call it a Valerie. Yeah, so he'll be like, I'm Valerie and I know everything. Yes. <laughs> um, but it's not just annoying for other people. It's annoying for me. You know, I, I want to be surprised. Like jump scares, of course, will get me because they're usually very randomized. But Ari Aster in a lot of his films have a, ha had moments where I've actually been like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I really like him as a director. He 
he doesn't make things very predictable but one of the things that can be annoying about that is and we'll talk about it in one of his other films is sometimes it can leave me feeling a bit lost and yes. confused and like what's happening yeah but yeah hereditary has it's good also has that part of well some part of Oedipal complex i think with the son and the mother yeah you definitely see it a little bit with the with the son and the mother but i also see it more between the mother and the grandmother, the grandmother. even though we never actually really see the grandmother you can really feel that kind of tension that the relationship between mother and grandmother had, mm-hmm. that kind of distance they had between each other, that one never feeling good enough, which is a very common thing between mothers and daughters. And then the main, the, well, not the main character, the mother's the main character, but her own daughter as well. And just the tension in that relationship yeah. because the, the, daughter tends to favor the grandmother mm-hmm. and that relationship and the jealousy that kind of happens there and then one of the other things i really love about the film is kind of they show isolation in a different way so they show how death and grief can isolate with the mother kind of isolating mm-hmm. herself going through the grief she's going through but then they also saw, show with I, I keep saying the two daughters so i'll say granddaughter yeah uh, the granddaughter has a disability mm-hmm. and the isolation she feels because of that disability of being different and how people kind of are wary of her and not wanting to engage with her as much and then with the son you see isolation through that he feels his mother hates him yes. so like he he kind of distances himself from her and how that affects him and then because the mother is isolating herself through her grief then you see the father who is also suffering some isolation because he, he's trying to hold the whole family yeah, he together with himself. Everything. So, yeah, I like how isolation is represented in different ways through all the different characters. Yeah, I, I agree. Also, we have to remember that they live in a house that is kind of like yeah. isolated from the rest. We can go through to Midsommar. Yeah. Probably Midsommar is the one that has more juice for us. I think because it's our both, it's our favorite. It's true, it is my favorite. And uh, you know me, I love Florence Pugh. Yeah. And she's very good. Midsummer, so. I think that we are going to try to be as less spoily as possible, but it's very difficult. My favorite thing about Midsummer, I have to say that night is not as important, darkness is not as important as the what happens on the light. I know, I think it's, it's really refreshing. Like most of all the horror films that we've spoken about, a lot of the scary things happen at night because that's, that means, you right. know, the fear of the unknown, you know, you can't see mm-hmm. that isolation through darkness. Like that's what horror films for centuries have relied yes. on. Whereas this all takes place mostly at daytime. Mostly at daytime. The, 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 we are not going to lie to you. Of course, there are scenes and moments that happen during, you know, nighttime, but most of the important stuff during happens during the day. Yeah. And I love it. I find that, again, here, isolation is very important because they are... They're visiting a cult. Basically. Yeah, they are visiting... Well, yeah, a cult. They uh, don't realize it's a cult. Well, they do in some yeah. ways, but they don't realize it's a scary cult. Yeah. So they are visiting and they are isolated So from from the rest of civilization. There's, I think there's no even internet or phone reception or anything like that. And it is very important how it plays the, the, the role because, of course, this one also, it is very interesting because from the six movies is the 
movie that represents more a group of stupid teenagers. Yeah, it's true. Goes more young to... people, I suppose. They're not teenagers; they're college students. Yeah, and and it follows more or less the typical structure of a slasher movie when you have the silly teenagers, and then you have, of course, the girl that is called always the final girl that is gonna be mm-hmm. kind of like always the survivor to tell the story. Yeah. But I find that her uh, Midsommar, I was going to say Hereditary, I find that Midsommar is very important because this movie, basically, if you remove all the horror stuff and all that, talks about a breakup. Yeah, it's a breakup, it's a, a failing relationship. Yeah, and I think it is very beautiful structure. It's a movie that is very original because, as we said, has very, very beautiful sets, has very beautiful shots, a lot of daylight. Yeah, but I think they're taking something that's not original and making it original. Yeah, exactly. No, you are, yeah. ma- you are making everything good and you are having, so you are having the typical structures. And um, I mentioned the teenagers, the final girl, the crazy cold for sure, yeah. uh, isolation that we were talking, but you are also bringing refreshment and that's something yeah. Is you are improving the product. Yeah. And Midsommar is beautiful in all its ways. I find that even some of the deaths or some of the symbolism of the deaths, it is even beautiful in that sense. Oh yeah, I love uh, I love the deaths in yeah. this film. But I think one of the other things, so we talked about the Northmen and that kind of physical kind of male rage yeah. that we're used to seeing. If you want to see female rage, yeah. this is the movie. This is. And I, I, I love it. I love it. We don't get to see female rage done in this way very mm-hmm. often. And I think Florence Pugh really plays it beautifully. She, she plays it beautifully. And I think that how they balance out the disturbing moments mm-hmm. with the moments that everything seems normal. Of course, we as viewers, uh, we know that things are not normal. Mm-hmm. We know that we are watching an Ari Aster movie and something is going to go wrong yeah. some ways. But how they play along for the character's mindset and how they play the weird moments, the disturbing moments, the oppressive moments, with moments that can be mixtured with happiness or even having fun or having a good time. Yeah. There in... Experiencing something yeah. new. Exactly, because this is this is very very something like that, like a group of teenagers that they go and experience uh, because I think that one of them was doing uh, a PhD, a PhD research, yeah, PhD research yeah. on uh, uh, Norse cultures yeah. and that kind of mythology, but not Norse like Vikings, more kind of like so. Okay. Yeah, so very very interesting midsummer. I find that it also has a bit of the whole quest for power. We mm-hmm. have the uh, the boyfriend character who kind of takes advantage of a couple of situations in his quest for power and how that ultimately leads to his downfall. He's kind of similar to The Lighthouse, but he's a very much a secondary character. He is not a good friend. He's not a good boy- boyfriend. He's, he's not, not a, a good, good person. He's not a good human being. <laughs> yeah. 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 He's going through his own struggles. If someone needed therapy, it's definitely. He's probably the typical person in the horror movies that you You're hope like, that hope he dies. Yeah, it's like, if anyone dies, I wouldn't mind if he died. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And we go to the last one. Uh, we That's what I said. I didn't want to talk much about Midsommar because even if it's our favorite one, Midsommar, I feel that it's a full experience. Yeah. We have talked to you. Maybe we even have spoiled a little bit out of it, but really I don't want to take m- more because yeah. yeah, I we want you to enjoy it and come to our Twitter at Nerdy Deep or our 
Gmail, uh, nerdingthedeepartment.com. Yeah, he, he's still pushing the Gmail. Yeah, because, <laughs> well, you know, I like if some of you come and talk to us yeah. about the experience that you have with any of these movies, not only Midsommar, of course, although Midsommar rules. But we go with the last one. Speaking Bo of experiences, Bo is Afraid is an experience. Bo is Afraid is an experience. I have to be completely honest with you. It's a movie that when I watched it, I didn't like it. And it is very weird because the more I reflect on it, the more I like you said, the more you said once to me, the more I reflect on it, the more I think I like it. Mm -hmm. For me, the more I reflect on it, the more I think I don't dislike it. Not that, not that <laughs> you won't like it, but you don't dislike it. Exactly. Like I, for me, I think that for liking it, I, I should see it again. Yeah, I do think that if you're, we're giving, we're helping you with this film. Do yes. not go into this film expecting a plot. No. Don't try to figure out what's happening. Just let the movie happen. That is the way to enjoy this film. Yes, let the movie happen. The movie will happen. Don't think of what, what I'm seeing, what I'm watching. Enjoy, laugh at the moments that you have to laugh. Because this movie, I think, is out of the three movies, the one that has the more crude, dark humor. Yeah. This is a comedy. It's a horror comedy. It's a mixture. It's a psychological horror comedy. I would say. Yeah. There we go. That's a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it is very important that you go with that mindset. You go with that mindset and the mindset that the movie, it is extremely long. I, and, and, it is too long and, for the first two. Yeah. And I, and I think that even if someone tried to convince me, no one would be able to convince me that the movie needs to be this long. I don't think that the movie needs to be this long. Other movies needs the time to cook. It's a slow cook, it's yeah. a process. It's like a bolognese sauce, you know, you have to cook it as slow all the ingredients, so at the end exactly. you have, but not here. I think the problem that we had going into Bo Was Afraid is we spent so much time trying to figure out the plot and what was happening, we missed the whole point of the film. Yeah, that's why I said that probably if I, I see it again, probably I like it. Yeah. And now the more I think about it, the more, that's what I say. I don't dislike it. I, I think more and it's like, yeah, that moment is great. That moment is really well put, but yeah. still I would have to experience it again. And I think that it's going to take a while until I watch it again because well, it is, long. It, it, it is very long. shorter, maybe you would go back to it faster. So I talked earlier about the readable complex, the, the lighthouse being yes. the good male part of that relationship. Mm -hmm. The bow is afraid is um, the more male female. Yes son mother yes. side of it um it, i think um between the lighthouse and Bo was afraid if freud was able to sit and watch these films he would <laughs> love <them>. yeah <laughs> freud would be in a dream if he could yes. watch these but the, i think the best way to explain Bo without giving too much away is have you ever had dreams or talked to your therapist where you're like you feel like every single thing has gone wrong and realistically, it's not. Mm -hmm. You're just having a bad day. This film is the actual reality of having a day or a week where literally everything that could go wrong, the worst possible outcome that happens. I think that Boys Afraid is Murphy's Law made movie. You know, Murphy's Law is what you just yeah. said, what could go wrong will yeah. go wrong. If a toast falls, it will always fall on the butter side. <laughs> side of the butter. If I go whatever, so yeah. Boy is afraid. It's Murphy's Law made movie. That's why it works a little bit as a dark comedy. Yeah. 
but that is also how why, why it is so chaotic the plot the plot is chaotic because the plot doesn't develop because the characters do stuff the characters don't do stuff to the characters stuff happens to yeah him. characters are not proactive characters are reactive and mostly both character uh, boys are reactive character where everything happens to him and everything bad happens to him mm -hmm. and that's mostly the movie and it has good points i think that it has good moments we can also talk about isolation because even bo is surrounded by characters all the time bo the, the uh, boys of red i think it has a huge cast yeah. compared with the other movies but Bo, but by the way, Joaquin Phoenix, I think that he does a, a great job as well. Bo is, isol is isolated. Every time that he meets a new character, he doesn't know how this new character will screw him up. Yeah, like the title Bo is Afraid is a really good title because Bo is afraid yeah. of everything. Yeah, and it's the, I think it's a great example of the sentence of being surrounded by people but being alone. Yeah. I think that that's what Bo is and that's how the theme of isolation works really well in yeah. this movie. And uh, it plays a little bit with that theme we see in the North but of, of fate, of your life not being your own, mm -hmm. being controlled, a little bit like that. Uh, you see that a lot. Here is controlled by bad luck. <laughs> and then a huge, huge theme in this film is the theme of guilt. Mm -hmm. And I think we can all identify with that feeling of we're not the good enough child. You know, that we let our parents down, that we never do enough, that the world is rejecting us yeah. for, for not being good enough. That is one of, probably the major theme. Yes. Especially in like the second half of the <laughs> film. We see it in the first half, but I think it really comes to a head in the second yeah. half of the film. And that's uh, why I wanted to end on Bo is Afraid, because I think a lot of what we see in all of these films from Ari Aster and from Robert Eggers, things we are all afraid of, and this is what makes these films scary. We're afraid of not being good enough. We're afraid of being alone. We're afraid of having those bad days where literally everything feels like it's going wrong. We're afraid of people knowing all the negative thoughts that we have in our head, that people know or feel we're crazy, we're the weird ones. Like All of these films play on these very human yes feelings that's one of the important things it's like yes there are witches there are lovecraftian monsters there are cults but there are whatever but that those are not the problems the problem is the human and the human fears and yeah. that is what sometimes it makes it very scary i think yeah because even with the ones that are uh, the films that are maybe not in our day-to-day, -day, like the lighthouse. How many of us have been stranded on an island? Do you know that kind of thing? Well, I am living in Ireland, so... <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. We're technically stranded on an island. Like, it's it's situations maybe we're not familiar with, but it's fears we're all very familiar with. Yeah, but, for example, one of the things, for example, hereditary. Mm -hmm. Although everyone has to respect mental health and mental illnesses, there's a lot of parents out there that they always think, I don't want my son or my daughter to suffer from a mental illness. I would suffer a lot with that, or a disability in this case. And that's also an afraid, afraid of your son or daughter mm -hmm. having that disability. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that there are a lot of people outside in the world that they are afraid of that. And hereditary plays really well yeah. with also that fear. Yeah, and then you have the Northmen that really shows our our shadow side a lot of these films represent our shadow side if any of you are 
familiar with Carl Jung. He taught, he's a, a psychotherapist that talks a lot about what's called the shadow. You know, that part we don't want to admit mm -hmm. is there, that part of us that kind of would love to go and kill that person that took our promotion or, you yeah. know, that kind of thing. That, that part is all in us as much as we try to deny it. And we see a lot of that shadow kind of explode out of some of the characters in all of these films. Well, in the North Month, they call it the beast. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. But you see, yeah, you see the kind of physical violent rage coming out of the Northmen. You see the kind of woman character in the witch kind of wanting to step out from her parent's shadow and become mm -hmm. an independent person and do what she wants and yeah. feel that she has power, something that women, and especially that time period, didn't have. Like they were traded off sometimes, yes. the family couldn't afford to keep them. And I think that this is what people crave. This is why we're seeing this shift into more of a psychological horror, mm -hmm. because that's what people are talking about. And that's what people really find scary. Yeah. So just to finish, yeah. we go for the ranking, which is we go from down okay. to the top, mm -hmm. to the top three. And by the way, just because rankings are always controversial. So rankings go always we for and our personal taste. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that we are right or wrong. We are, it's just our taste. And second of all, one of the things that we want to highlight before doing the ranking is because a movie is positioned on the sixth place doesn't mean that any uh, of these movies are bad. Yeah, I enjoyed all of these films and would happily watch them again. Yeah, I personally didn't like Bo, but I, as I already said, I would give it a second opportunity. And as a movie, I don't think it's a bad movie. I think that personally, it's not something I liked. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that the movie it's is bad. bad. I don't think that the movie So we already know who your number six is. We've kind of just spoiled it there. Not really. <laughs> no? No? Am no. I going to get surprised? Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, do you want to go first? So my number six for me is Hereditary. Okay. I, li I like the hereditary, but the main problem I found the hereditary when I do the retrospection, that's why I think that I put hereditary in the last position and I don't put both, is because I find the hereditary is very straightforward and it's the one that has sync less with me. I find that if I have to remember stuff from an hereditary, of course I can't remember stuff, but it's the movie that has really yeah. The I, I think one of the problems we had with Hereditary as well is the film we watched after Midsummer. It was Expectations. Yeah, and Midsummer is one of our favorites. Mm -hmm. So who's your sixth? So my sixth is The Lighthouse. Mm -hmm. uh, I still really enjoyed The Lighthouse. Like, like we mentioned, I feel like the acting is really, really good in it. I think one of the reasons that it came sixth for me is because of what I was talking about earlier, that kind of male Oedipole stuff. Mm -hmm. Is something that obviously I find a little bit hard to relate to. So I think maybe my gender actually affected how much Played I enjoyed this movie. Like I said, I still enjoyed it. And if we were talking about movies in general, I'm sure it would get mm -hmm. like quite a good score. But for these six, yeah. six, it came six for me. Okay, makes sense. Well, for me, the fifth is easy. Boys afraid. <laughs> Again, I said it didn't like it much. I think that if I could re uh, revisit it, I would like it more now that I have thought about it. I thought of what it means, but I still feel it's extremely long and I feel that it's unnecessary. It, um, it is very long. It don't. So that's why I score it as the fifth movie of this six. Mm -hmm. So for me, number five is Hereditary. Mm -hmm. 
that is, I th again, talking about how close we watched it to Midsummer, I think affected it. I wish I had gone to see it on release. Probably <laughs> would have stuck with me a little bit more. I still really enjoyed the film, but for me, after seeing some of the other Ari Aster films, I kind of didn't want the plot fed to me. Though there, I have to admit, there were moments I was surprised. Yeah, fourth position for me should be The Witch. Mm. The Witch is a really good movie. If I eliminated The Northman, of course, The Witch would be top three. Mm -hmm. But we are mentioning The Northman, even if it's not a horror movie, but because we have spoken with about these six movies. Yeah. The Witch, I think that is really good. Uh, the cast is great in it. The story, pretty straightforward as hereditary, but with a little bit more of symbolism. So yeah, The Witch is fourth position for me. I'm going to join you. I wasn't expecting to like this one as much. I felt like the plot was already quite heavily done, mm -hmm. so witch and pilgrim times, yeah. you know? But uh, I think the the acting of Anya Taylor-Joy and Kate Dickey really were the, the things that brought this to another level. They were really good. The, I thought the plot was just different enough that you could still enjoy it yeah. without feeling like you'd seen the movie already. Yeah, I agree. So third, we go into the top three. <laughs> yeah. Third is The Northman. Northman, a very beautiful movie. It's kind of like an action movie of, you know, biking uh, with, of course, still the symbolism that Robert Eggers brings. I really, really liked it. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I'm going to uh, join you here again for third place in The Northman. I, if we were ranking this purely on better horror films, this wouldn't even have made the list. Of course. But I really, I, I'm someone who really enjoys Nor Norse mythology, so I, I really enjoy following along with this. And I, I, I just loved that that feeling of watching someone's shadow, someone's anger just be completely unleashed. It was. it was very enjoyable. So for me, top two goes the lighthouse. Yeah, I know you really enjoyed it. And I think, again, your gender probably... Probably, probably plays the lighthouse is... Uh really good movie with lights and shadows from the two main characters. I love how Robert Pattinson and William Dafoe, they are when they are happy, when they are drunk, when they are mad, when they are mm -hmm. uh, angry, when they it's, are crazy. It's entertaining the contrast between the the alcoholic dark time and then the workhorse kind of daytime. Yes, yes. I do love the concept. I, and, and yeah, I, I really, really, really enjoy it. I think that it really shines and probably kind of like you feel a little bit identified but i like also the you know the mythos of uh prometheus and i think that i felt it that it was pretty strong on the sense of the power of the lighthouse so really strong with me and i also love cosmic horror i love lovecraftian horror and even the lovecraftian horror is not a huge great influence here i love the people turning crazy, standing on an island, and like that. that's very Lovecraft in yeah. any way, even, you know, so and I like it. I, I'm the same, I love Cosmic Horror, I love Lovecraftian stuff, I just felt like, go big or go home with that, yeah. and I, it didn't do it that, be, so yeah. for me it kind of felt like, what was the point? That, that makes sense. Which is your top two? My second favourite is Bone Afraid. Yeah. It's I, weird that I were... I know, I know, it's weird that you're, we kind of swapped yeah. with this one, so I was very... Similar to you, when I first finished the film, I was kind of like, that was crap. But <laughs> for me, on reflection, and I think it, it does have a lot to do with context, again, as a psychotherapist. Yes. Oh, if you're a psychotherapist, please watch this movie. Or a psychologist, or any anyone who works with mental health at all, watch this movie. But again, remember, don't try to follow the plot. The more I reflected on this movie, the more 
I saw it shine, the, what it was really trying to say. Like, if, if you go in, if you go to therapy and you talk about all the things you're afraid of in therapy, that is this movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, that is it. Uh, everything you could, that you could possibly be afraid of is in this this film and it's just how he deals with it and how human it is. Oh, I just think that you could read a PhD thesis on yeah. it. It's really good. Watch it. And <laughs> yeah. um, well, finally, we agree our on our top, top one, our top one. Midsommar. Midsommar, apart from everything that we say about it, I think that there's a beautiful feeling when your high expectations for a, for a movie mm -hmm get filled yeah, by that movie yeah. a lot of times like for example what they happen with hereditary or with other movies you come they've been very hyped you, you come with an expectation and then the you are like eh, wasn't that mm. much but midsummer was exactly what i was searching for a movie that makes me feel uncomfortable a different type of horror psychological uh, with the playing a lot with the things that happen during daylight that can be as a, uh, as frightening as, as the things that happen at night. Uh, Midsommar is for me the best one. I think that it has very, very beautiful shots mm -hmm. in, in some moments. The, the, the moment of the dance yeah. is at the same time sickening because I... You know uh, what's happening. No, no, but at the same time it's sickening on the fact of... Uh, I, I get dizzy myself yeah. of, all, of yeah. seeing all those people. But it's really beautiful how they play with the colors of the flowers and all the stuff. Beautiful. So yeah, Midsummer yeah. has to. Midsummer, I think, is like you say with the light. It's not just the light; it's a very colorful film. It's very like beautiful setting. Mm -hmm. It's a place where a horror movie should happen. Yes. And I, that's one of the things I really love about it. Yeah. I think it's one of the films that has the weaker acting, with Florence Pugh being the exception to that. I think she's amazing in it. Yes. But um, it's still uh, really, really, really well done, and I I really recommend to watch it. So with this, we finish our six movies on the only episode of the Spooky Month anyway, even if we were late. We hope that you have enjoyed it. We're really happy to be back. Yes, we are very happy to be back. And we'll see you in, of course, two weeks. Yeah, we're going back to our regular schedule. So every second yeah, Sunday, you'll yeah. see an episode. So keep an eye on our Twitter because probably in the future we also announce new activities that we can well, do with you. Well, it's not called Twitter anymore, is it? Well, X. X. Sorry. But yeah, so I hope that you have enjoyed this episode. We have lots of plans for season two. Mm -hmm. Maybe not just podcasts. Yeah, maybe not just podcasts. We'll see what it brings. So that's why I said pick an eye on Twitter because we are Twitter X, whatever. Social that's media. That, see, one of the biggest frightening things in the world change. is that they change <laughs> things change and you cannot go back. You know, as Abe Simpson very very wisely said, it will happen to you too. Yeah. Anyway. We hope that you have enjoyed it. We are very glad to be back. I've been Carlos. I've been Valerie, and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye.